and welcome to episode 48 of Spellcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and this is my co-host, Andrea. Greetings, friends. Today we are going to talk about something that is seemingly straightforward, but actually has a stark dichotomy of understanding. Today we are going to talk about the differences between two particular words. Two words that, to the naked ear, sound kind of the same. We will be talking about invocation versus evocation. Yes, and these are very important terms uh, in the occult and in magic, especially for anyone that practices magic. And, of course, anyone that is familiar with practicing magic may already be familiar with these words. Uh, But we're going to go over it because we feel like it is an important topic to cover, included in all the other things we discuss about the occult. So we'll be talking a little bit about how words work today, Mm -hmm. the origins. Both of these words come from Latin. They come from the Latin word vocare which means to call forth, at least in ritualistic setting. Which you would make sense as to why it's uh, associated with spellcrafting and also the occult. Very much so. And it's also interesting to see when you take the E or the in out of evo or invocation and just reduce it to the word vocation. So if we were to look up that particular word, vocation... It's like job, right? Yeah, oh, that's actually A calling? Mm-hmm, yeah, I call, yeah. (laughs) See, now, yeah, you're thinking. Vocation, a strong feeling of suitability for a particular career or occupation. Um, A person's employment or main occupation, especially regarded as particularly worthy of requiring great dedication, a trade or profession. It, uh, yes, it comes from vocare to call, uh, Latin uh, vocatio, and then that's translated into Middle English. But it's kind of interesting because that word that tended to have a little bit more of an occult meaning in the Romance language was reduced a little bit when brought to the English language. It was brought to uh, Middle... And what do you mean? Uh, brought to Middle English. So uh, late Middle English is what um, reduced it simply to talking about things like uh, your job, your vocation. Uh. But that's what you like. You just said, a calling. Yes. and What is so, calling to you or you're calling out forth? And is, is that not what we do when yes. we're working with any entity? Yes, definitely. And, you know, so that's the similarity between the two is it does have to do with a calling. It has to do with, uh, you know, asking for assistance from a deity or from a spirit and calling upon those forces to aid in your intent and what it is you wish to accomplish. It's very interesting because you can use the word evocation to also talk about invocation, but invocation doesn't always necessarily talk about evocation. Hmm. So, evocation uh, can also have to do with recalling a feeling, a memory, or image to the conscious mind. For that reason, it is very similar to synesthesia, which we have talked about, I want to say, in brief on previous episodes, and we will talk more about uh, when we do our episode on music. Yes, definitely, because that comes up a lot in music. Um, And I'm sure you can kind of see where we're going with this in regards to evocation with calling upon memory and feelings and emotions. Um, I know that Andrea loves talking about it, and it's represented in a lot of occult art. And um, I would say non-occult art, too, if you're, you know, it's kind of both. You can bridge the gap that way. (laughs) There's no separating it, because the ideas are universal uh true art always evokes something 
what is, we think, the word evocative, friends. Mm -hmm. Some people tend to use that in a, a negative connotation when they're talking about things. Oh, And it's not a, provocative, you know, provocative, it's evocative. Evocative. Um, think uh, with the E, the E in evocation has to primarily do with emotion. What lends itself e to emotion. a feeling? It's a good way to remember. Mm -hmm. Whereas invocation, in its you know, inward, calling something inward, yes. calling something into a circle, something of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, so a, a good way that I could explain the differences is uh, talking about, let's say, uh, two different types of cultures. Right. So what is evoked from, let's say... I don't know off the top of my head. Ancient Greece okay. versus, let's say, um, a more earthier culture. So somewhere in, uh, like, Africa. Okay. So what, what we think are, what is evoked when we think of those things? Well, I would say in ancient Greece, uh, I think a lot about art and sculpture and philosophy and... I mean, I've been to Greece, so things that, you know, I think about are olive trees and mountains and a lot of water and just, you think about the the Greek gods and goddesses as well, so mm -hmm. the emotions surrounding that, uh, it's very peaceful to me. Yes, of course, and what is evoked when you think uh, in comparison to uh, African countries and the African diaspora? Um, I would say a, a different kind of earthiness. I feel like Greece is almost, um, there's definitely that celestial aspect in, in their mountains, like reaching up to the sky and in the blue skies that I think of with that. And then in, you know, contrast That's hard with, not to think of Mount Olympus. Yes, exactly. Reaching up to um, the gods and goddesses and... The high heavens, so to speak. Yes. And with Africa, I think more earthiness, more browns, greens, rich, like, red tones. More robust colors. Yes. Um, that tend to lend themselves to the more primal sides mm -hmm. of magic. And a warmer, like, very, like, all-encompassing kind of warmth from there. Yes. No, that's, I, I actually like that. That's, that's very you. well, <laughs> very well put. Um, it's a big thing that we can put together, friends, is music. So what are the two things that we think of music-wise? Uh, so instruments. When you think of instruments from ancient Greece, you tend oh. to think of the lute and the lyre. Yes. You tend to think of those kinds of string instruments. And mm -hmm. string instruments... Very celestial-sounding things. Yes. And string instruments, yeah, they're, they're related to the higher chakras. Whereas if you go to areas that uh, have more... Um, earthier style spirituality, um, they tend to lend themselves to more percussive instruments. Mm. Um, if you go to the Afro-Caribbean diaspora uh, with Haiti um, in Haitian voodoo, you have a lot of drums, uh, types of maracas, mm -hmm. stuff like that, uh, that's uh, very percussive. And the percussive instruments uh, create lower vibrations scientifically. So it would make sense that you know, those things balance the lower chakras, the other things balance the higher chakras, and combining them together in some sort of practice would make you uh, all-encompassing spiritually. Yes, how very lucky we are to, to, be, to be able to have access to that, that we can go on YouTube and, and listen to both and, and really balance ourselves out. Also, uh, let's think about, uh, we can uh, bring uh, cultures that are much closer. Um, let's say uh, uh, Roman Catholicism, 
versus uh, Protestant uh, type, particularly, let's say, non-denominational. So we'll, we'll make it a bit more broad. Um, Catholic churches tend to be uh, much more ornate. There is an emphasis on different types of European art, particularly of southern Italy. You know, we think of uh, Italian, uh, Greek, Mediterranean-style architecture, and even influences from the Middle East uh, when the, the South was invaded by the Moors. Yeah. Um, so stained glass, high ceilings, mm-hmm. uh, very decorative artwork and statues yes, and different, tile work. Yes, different colors, the sacred geometry, something that really evokes the intricate sophistication and the multifaceted ideas that one would imagine in the kingdom of God. And you can really see how it can bring you to that celestial heavenly place. I mean, just being in any amazing cathedral like St. Patrick's Cathedral or, uh, you know, the Sistine Chapel. It really The Montreal Cathedral oh, in the Sicily. Montreal, yes, Montreal Cathedral is beautiful with all its gold, uh, you know, leafing and, and it was just... It's amazing, and you can kind of see why people would do this. I mean, to reach the God that they're trying to reach, it it really is evoked in all of the artwork. It really is connected. It really is, um, you know, very, very different than, yes. than any other kind of church. Yes. Um, well, uh, when you go into the Eastern Orthodox churches, you see a lot of that as well. But uh, yes. for the sake well, of there, for the I, sake I of like comparing just the two, particular, yeah, for the sake of connecting the two denominations, mm-hmm. if we go to the a non-denominal uh, denominational uh, Protestant church, particularly obviously American ones, because the Protestant population is is uh, mostly flourished in America. Um, we see a simpler way of looking at things. And simple, again, not necessarily meaning bad, but um, the things tend to be more more solid colors. There tends to be less art. There tends to be a differentiation and understanding. I know some Protestants think that Catholics are, are worshipping idols, but uh, in reality what Catholics are doing is they, uh, they, they gift the art um, uh, to Yahweh or the saints or Jesus Christ and the higher powers and it, it becomes a physical medium to help focus and ferry energy and prayers through. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. this is what it is um, and, and that's uh, an argument that I see that happens a lot between my Catholic and, and Protestant acquaintances and friends. Um, and so their their evocation is more... It's It evokes something that's a bit more simpler. Simple. It, it evokes the more uh, the side of of God, well, the, the Trinity in that context, in a more, in from a place of humility, a place of a different type of pious sincerity. Mm-hmm. Um, it also shows that uh, any person from any, even the simplest of backgrounds, or even from the most. Uh, the, the most the most humble of backgrounds can come and worship uh, the Trinity, and it's a very interesting thing. Both have their purposes, and both have particular ways of thinking. One is a more earthier style of thinking; the other one is a bit more celestial. celestial yeah, I, very. Yeah. I mean, similar comparisons between Greek and I do, yeah. it, it, but even though they're so different, yes. so different, the the way the layers of what is evoked is is much more. Uh, it's much more intricate. And mm-hmm. these are the things that we must pay attention to as occultists, as mages, you know, magicians, etc., which is um, 
uh, as artists, and I'd argue as humans. I'd argue that you could not get to a place of eudaimonia as uh, the Greeks uh, so instructed us to do uh, without, without understanding. So, oh, eudaimonia. Just for anyone that doesn't know the word. It's essentially the Greek... It's a, it's a Greek word for the contemporary understanding of the word nirvana. Uh, but not necessarily in, like, you know, achieving nirvana, you know, from a spiritual standpoint. It's not the Eastern it's, philosophy. Yeah, no, it's definitely not. I, uh, you know, that, that was kind of... It's definitely, uh, you know, a little bit of humor. I'm sorry. I'm trying to throw in a little <laughs> bit of wit. Eudaimonia, uh, if you break... Like unity. Well, if you break down the two words, you, meaning literally of oneself, <laughs> meaning you, like E-U, it's spelled E-U-D-A-I-M-O-N-I-A. Oh, oh. Daimon, daimon we think of, of the divine, divine yeah. energy, the spirits, uh, the gods, etc. Mm -hmm. The Greeks use that word, it is very all-encompassing, it's where the word daimon came from, which is where the word demon came from with Christians, um, and, uh, you know, we... That, that word means a great deal to us in our philosophy. Um, the phrase uh, was usually transfer, uh, translated in English, which, again, doesn't necessarily do it justice, but human uh, prosperity, flourishing abundance, a complete wholehearted understanding and peace with the world uh, through understanding all facets of the human condition. Um, so eudaimonia doesn't mean that you are always constantly at peace. Um, it just means that you will find peace no matter what situation you're in. You will find peace, you will find happiness, and that is what the philosophers were really concerned about, especially Epicurus, uh, was finding happiness. Um, it's a pretty big deal to most people. Yeah. <laughs> Things, anything can evoke anything, friends. You're watching, uh, you can literally be watching a TV show and it can remind you of something that happened when you were a kid. That's evocative. That's evoking something specifically to you. There is individual evocation. There is um, small group evocation, large group evocation, full global evocation, universal. That would be insane. Evocation. Well, yeah. Imagine well, I, the whole world getting on one page. Well, think about it. I mean, well, look where there are universal sim uh, symbols. Like one of the greatest... One of the greatest examples is, um, oh, excuse me, brain just stopped for a brief moment. <laughs> uh, one of the more unique examples would be uh, understanding of the one particular symbol we've all come to know and love, Solomon's seal, the Star of David. Um, it's been known by many things, uh, the symbol of ether. You know, the triangle going up and the triangle going down, uh, when they come together, they make a, a hexagon in the center. Um, that has always had multiple meanings in just about every culture. And every culture, uh, to a point, has found that particular shape. Yes, definitely. So, so, so that's, that's something that's, that's very interesting um, to think about. You know, I have to say, um, if... I mean, art in general evokes a lot of things, but... Can you imagine that, that um, some art or a piece of art was so strong that it really evoked similar emotions and, like you said, almost like or the entire world or a large group of people? I mean, that would be pretty impressive. Well, yes, it, just, it, that's the idea. And when you look at the greatest uh, pieces of art of all time, when you, when you skip through uh, what it is they had to do to market it, you know, in some cases, like, you know, the, the stories of the Mona Lisa, the Mona Lisa only got famous because of very specific circumstances. It wasn't yes. necessarily one of the greater things, but I'd argue that some of the other, uh, and I'm not trying to put it down, certainly. Um, but, uh, 
there is, is something to be said about some of the other paintings and sculptures and pieces of art that have survived throughout history mm -hmm. and why it is they do these things. There's simple evocation, there's complex evocation. Uh, I'm more of a fan of ancient Greek art, uh, Renaissance art, and certain types of Roman art um, that was more intricate. Uh, I want to... I, I'm not... I understand a lot of art that came to America that was, uh, you know, modernist and... Uh, you, they, you know, when you see like the splatters of of color, was of Jackson, Jackson Pollock. Pollock. Yeah, that's the big, the big one that you think of. Uh, he was about getting back to the beginning of things. You know, things that were evoked from a very simple place, something that was so simple that it allowed you to make up the own story in your head, that you could explore the facets of your mind without mm -hmm. any whim of suggestion. Now, this is an ingenious idea, um, but at the same time, I'd argue that if you understand all facets of the human condition, you can find that in whatever it is you're looking at and not be a slave to the whim of suggestion, but we all must start somewhere. I, I kind of think it's, it's kind of interesting because I think the only way to truly understand all sorts of art would be to start there and work backward as opposed to starting from the beginning and working forward. Well, yeah, I guess it's a, a matter of opinion, and I feel like just the fact that his paintings can evoke something in someone means that he's a successful artist. I mean, whether it's confusion or anger or sadness or happiness, I mean, any any emotion, you know, it doesn't have to be a positive one. It's, I think, an artist is successful if they manage to evoke any emotion or feeling in somebody. Yes, if you're not doing it, then, you know, you're not doing your job right. That's the only time, I guess, suppose art is supposed to... It really isn't. <laughs> I think the only time, yeah, it would fall flat for me is if it didn't evoke something in somebody, anybody. I mean, you know, it's not going to be the same for everyone, and I might not have the same emotions towards a painting or a piece of art as another person, but as long as even one person gets something from it, I think that it's successful. Something to be said about it all. Uh, yes. I want you... Oh, wait, no. I'm sorry, go. Oh, no. Uh, I was actually going to say that I think... Now would be a perfect time to go to a little commercial break. We can finish uh, and wrapping up the evocation and then get into invocation as soon as we're back. Sounds good. All right. See you in a bit. And welcome back. So we're going to finish talking about evocation, and then we're going to continue on to invocation. Yes, and uh, before I finish with evocation, I just want to finish with the word eudaimonia, because it does have uh, multiple meanings. I hope I wasn't lackadaisical in my definition uh, in the previous section. Eudaimonia is essentially the state of having a good indwelling spirit good genius the the paradox i've noticed that in my opinion eudaimonia and aporia tend to go together a lot even though people wouldn't think about that but that is something that is more reserved for the philosophical standpoints when we talk about philosophy and the Ooh, occult yes. and how philosophy relates to the occult and vice versa to finish with evocation evocation can go as many ways as possible. It's it's a spectrum. We were talking briefly about synesthesia. Mm -hmm. The biggest way you can think about evocation, friends, is listen to your music. Mm -hmm. What does your music do for you? Does it evoke scenery, colors, times of day, weather? Does it remind you of smells or ideas? Things that really don't make any sense, but they make sense when you understand the primal essence of yourself and, and the primal essence of what it is. the song that you're listening to, mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to 
fit just into the words or anything like that. It can be expanded upon. There is a reason why there is universal symbolism that is translatable to anybody. When you listen to things in particular periods of music or particular periods of art, you, you witness things in particular periods of art, you notice that the consistency is the same, not necessarily because they were all copying and stealing from each other, but because I'd argue that they were influenced by the muses of their time, the yeah. muses and the tutelary music. entities yeah, of where they were living. Mm-hmm. So, Which makes sense as to why, you know, going back to talking about the different instruments uh, from different countries and different types of music, I mean, they're getting their inspiration from what's around them and so it only makes sense that now when we hear a lyre we we do think of ancient greece and when we hear drums we think of uh africa and and other cultures that are similar to that very much so so we can move on to invocation yes invocation quite literally you're invoking something you're bringing something inward you can invoke something within yourself you can invoke your own power you can invoke uh, sigils when you, uh, how you invoke something will determine what is evoked around mm-hmm. it, and how what evocation surrounds you will determine how intense your invocation goes. They go both ways; yes. they're interchangeable. They're That's the with idea. Each other. To give a standard definition, the invocation is quite literally the action of invoking something or someone or something, some entity, uh, for assistance. It's usually seen from an authoritative sort of background. The summoning of a deity, the supernatural, incantation. Uh, Invocation usually is incantation. And what is evoked by the incantation (laughs) is usually the energy and the the visualization and the feelings that come along with it. You're starting to see the dichotomy. the whole picture is coming together. How they come together. So, that being said, invocation can be... Uh, like I just stated, incantation, it can be activating sigils, uh, calling... It's a little bit more, I feel like, um, I don't know what the right word is, but maybe there's more action, I would say, in this word, if, if that makes sense. Yes, evocation is more about things that are metaphysical and not necessarily like you just said, physical or literally happening, whereas like invocation is more of an more of an action. Evocation evocation is more of, you know, what is being evoked. Are you using more the about word s- to define the word? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, in, we're dangerously close it's to It's like that in territory. school when their teacher would be like, don't use that word to define the word. word. And you're like, but I know what it means. Like <laughs> But uh yes, that's <laughs> That that is the idea that's going on. Well, mm-hmm. evocation and is it's action because, like you said, in invocation, this is what you're using in spellcraft. Something that was evoked, a feeling that you uh, evocation felt, surrounds rather, is, it. Invocation is, is the focal point. Invocation yes. causes evocation, and evocation yes. can strengthen invocation. Yes, but this is more invocation is what you're actually doing, like mm-hmm. during the spellcraft. You know what I mean? And the and evocation is more of you know what you're feeling or being inspired by that 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 is kind of what i just said i'm sorry i'm just saying it in a different way in case (laughs) don't don't define what i just said with what i just said (laughs) (laughs) there's our our humor for the episode 
But yes, understanding the difference between those two things, because they are, in fact, different folks. And we also want you to not only understand the words, but understand the depth that surrounds them, why it is these things are so important, because they are key focal points in strengthening what it is we try to do Mm -hmm. as practitioners of magic. Yes. We understand the evocation of particular cultures of deities that we're working with or any and any entities that we are working with obviously you're not going to evoke a greek deity with the music of let's say I don't know, Bulgarian sort of background and lore. Yeah, so like basically if you're if you're doing a spell and you want to call upon a Greek deity, you're going to set up things that remind you of that. So you're going to set up um possibly grape leaves or olive branches or th- herbs that are similar to that area um whereas, you know, y- you would also put on music that's associated Invocation with that. and evocation is very much Mm-hmm. The core of understanding the correspondences to the essence of the power. I don't like to say, and I, and I say it like that because I don't like to say the correspondences to deities because then that runs the rhetoric of subconsciously people treating them with, I think, a little less respect than they deserve, which is uh, deplorable mm. and should never be done lest you want to have funny things happen to you, <laughs> unless you want to end up like Job. Though Job didn't do anything wrong in that story, but that was besides the point. <laughs> So, yes, um, and also, you know, I was just thinking, it was like, oh, some music from, like, Bulgaria, I don't know. Technically, ancient Greek led to Eastern European stuff. I mean, the Eastern European. They migrated, similar, but, it's, but Yeah, okay, maybe something very different. Like we said before, the differences maybe. between, like, African culture versus Greek mm-hmm. culture. Even though everything leads to itself, there are those differences that are yes. different enough that maybe you shouldn't it, it it might not work as good and, and so it might actually even upset or or patronize other entities it's something you have to keep in mind yeah. with their their personalities well what it's funny I'm sorry. yeah so it's okay uh it's funny that we do have so many similarities between different cultures uh i mean there's always the common flood story i feel like there's uh common deities in the sense that they have different names but there's like fertility goddesses there's main um, kind of like the leader gods or goddesses. There's uh, gods of the underworld and gods of light and music and things like that. So while those are all similarities between different cultures, um, again, the evocation that each culture has and and provides for people is still very different, even though there are those commonalities there. It's so interesting. And there were so many spin-offs of these words in particular, too. I mean, we talked about just the word vocation. Another word that comes to mind is uh, more so with things that tend to surround the Judeo-Christian churches, you know, the tabernacle and all that, is the word convocation. Oh, boy. Convocation. Here we go. Which is a formal ceremony. That is a, a gathering of a large, a, a larger assembly of people. So one could argue that you can't convocate. You know, there's no convocation without larger groups of people. So if you mm. were doing large scale magic or larger circles, uh, convocation and an invocation might be synonymous in that particular case, but not yeah, necessarily yeah. if you are a solitary or if you are in a smaller group of people. 
Uh, also, it's a formal ceremony at uh, college and university, but that's particularly the North American connotation of it is what it is I'm, I'm looking at in front of me. It comes from Latin convocare, uh, which later led to the English to convoke. It's very interesting to see just the subtle differences between these words, mm-hmm. how intricate of a language that Latin was. And also vocation and... And still a calling of some sort, just the different varieties of that. This is going to be an excellent... So the reason why we're also stating this is that these two words alone, friends, we will talk about the magic of what I think is some of the true language of the deities, uh, which are going to talk about music. We'll talk about things like poetry. Mm. Poetry, you really understand the, the depth of using words in a poetic fashion is truly the way to understand the universal depth that exists within these particular higher powers. Yeah. Uh, to continue, to backtrack a little bit when we're talking about like deities offering like types of music or types of things to other entities. Now, this is not to say that you can't offer a different style of song to... Like, let's say you wanted to offer a particular song to, to Papa Legba that wasn't necessarily customary or out in left field uh, when comparing it to the culture... You can certainly ask them beforehand, is this okay? This is what I have to offer you, if this is okay. And they'll certainly accept it. Now, them accepting it as a gift doesn't necessarily mean it's an easy way to invoke and call upon their energies. So that's yeah. the difference that you want to think, you know. Because it won't be as, like, in tune. Yes, know? it's, you know. It's, Even though intent does matter. And, well, you know, again. yeah, you're not, going to, you're not going to go for the same feeling as a drum that you would get from a piano. You know, they're yeah. very different. They're very different instruments the very different understandings and we can talk forever about each timbre of every instrument mm-hmm. the similar ones the different ones and again we'll talk about could. all of that yeah there's so that much good. that music episode is going to be so long we've been apprehensive about doing it simply because well we'd like it as much it to be as comprehensive and as concise as possible that's why i i'm being so picky with it i'm the reason why yeah. we haven't <laughs> jumped into it yet friends and we apologize for that i know i haven't shut up about it for a decent amount of episodes and I still haven't done it I should just go to the bathroom or get off the pot (laughs) try to keep it a bit more PG in this episode yeah I mean we definitely have to uh, have to get finished with uh, all our notes on that one so we can have a good comprehensive episode but again I have a feeling there's definitely going to be a part two possibly three on that one so in regards back to evocation, friends, what, how to make it easier, you don't have to always do it, like, try to do these things spiritually. See how it is in everyday life. What does where you live evoke? Do they evoke positive or negative emotions? And then ask yourself why those emotions are being evoked. Mm. Why do they exist with you? Does that have something to do with you? Does that have something to do with the place? Is it a combination of the two things? Ask yourself these questions. And those Bring yourself through the Socratic your method. As well. Yes. How you feel about a place, what emotions are brought about. I mean, you know, it's going to be more difficult to perform a ritual or do any sort of spell work in a place that you don't feel like you're open to be able to practice yes. that. And some people say, oh, well, it is just your intention. Yes, it is just your intention. There is no wrong with this, but there is better. And this is what we want to convey in regards to understanding art, in regards to understanding culture. Sometimes you just know, and it's something that you can't convey. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, with direct human language, you can convey it with your feelings and when you truly understand your essence, when you truly reach the phrase of a person who has eudaimonia. Mm, Yes. So, and we will really, truth be told, you can, 
you can talk a whole podcast about that word alone. It is. It means such a <laughs> great deal to me. We can talk a whole podcast about a lot of stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, and we're certainly uh, stating a lot of ideas right here. There is much to keep in mind, friend. Also, think about how your invocation works. How does it flow? Why does it flow the way that it does? How can you make improvements to it? Improvements can come down to literally each syllable, each letter, the difference between using a plural versus a singular, mm. the, uh, how the letters flow into each other. Where is what we call in the music world the legato? Legato is essentially how everything is all connected together, as opposed to everything being like this, or everything is choppy. We don't want that. Truce. A uh, spiritual flowing. power it comes from everything flowing. And that does not mean that... Uh, no, and I, I said that in a way that sounded very staccati. Um, but that's not... That's not to say that staccati doesn't have its way of being... That does, and it's also not... Like, percussion has legato, too. I want to yeah. make that abundantly clear for people who aren't as uh, well-versed in these ideas. But it's something, it's something that you just know innately through years of practice... It's a universal thing that all people from all backgrounds of come to a consensus of. Legato. And we, these are the things that we want to keep in mind when we are invoking and when we are feeling what is being evoked. So, yes. I think that's a good place to, to chill. This is one of mm -hmm. our... Uh, shorter podcast. Obviously, we didn't want to drone on. We don't want to make yes. this. Sometimes we do the 30-minute ones. Uh, yeah, just getting to the point on this one. You know, I mean, I think that we covered those words very well. I think we kind of got to the point and uh, explained it. And it, it's a good episode to have in between some of the heavier episodes, you know? Yes, uh, sort of a transition point. Getting Sometimes every so often when we talk about big things, we like to come back to the basics. And mm -hmm. then you can go back and listen to other things again and be like, oh, maybe that's what they're meaning. Oh, this is a new understanding. Because we don't want you to just understand. This is a big thing that I say with a lot of people, friends. It's... This is what I think is the root of a lot of people not understanding each other is it's not just about understanding the words that they're using. It's not uh, it goes deeper than just understanding the context in which they are used. You can go even further than that. You must understand the essence of a person and why it is they say something. If Courtney and I say the exact same sentence about a particular thing that might have a layered opinion to it, it might have very, very different motivations, many different inflections and feelings that come along with it. Someone could say one thing that someone might find funny that another person might find offensive, but from an essence standpoint, is very different than just making an assumption based on something that is, shall we say, skin deep. Mm, yes. and these are the things I'd like you to keep in mind with getting to know every individual person, every group of people, every culture, every subject you study. You need to understand where it is it was coming from in the context of the time, especially when you're studying things in history. Yeah, for example. Yes, and, it, and that can be pretty hard because, of course, in, in the time we're in, we're so lucky to live we're in the period of time that we do, and, and it kind of spoils us a little to, you know, not necessarily remember how difficult things could be. And, you know, while it's never condoning a behavior to look in the past and see things that were less than perfect, uh, it is important to understand why they existed and look at them in the lens, like the historical lens. It's really love the sin or hate the sin. I mm -hmm. mean, you don't have to... That, that's one of the things that I think that's Christian is a bit more universal. 
um, something that is that is um, deplorable. Unless the person is all in, it's a real rarity that a person is all encompassingly deplorable. It's yeah. really, it's oh, a real yeah. rarity, and I think people should look at it from a look at it from a psychological standpoint, and then put the 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 clinical understanding of psychology back in the context of spirituality. And I think you'll have a more all encompassing way of thinking that is conducive to understanding the human condition. Yes, I. You know, it's interesting. I had something to say. There was some... I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. Ah, uh, what you is You lost I, your train of thought. Yeah, no, for a brief moment. So, yeah, we were talking about... Um, oh, yes, here we go. I, I have it now. Okay. So, when studying what is evoked by what other people invoke, I want everyone to keep something in mind with getting to know yourself, which this is the, the side of it that might not be so savory to you. I'm going to be very candid and straightforward. If something to you evokes something that is fear or anger or it evokes a side of you that's not so savory, perhaps even a side of you that's, that's ignorant and foolish, you must, I urge you, urge you, urge you, you must examine why it is you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, the answer- and, and ignorant, not us to say that like um, stupid or anything, just to clarify the... Oh yeah, the difference between yeah, yeah. No, ignorant and stupid is the our, more original well, that's why meaning I, of the term to say that it just, it's just you it, don't know something. It's the absence of yes. something in your yes. frame and of mind. Yes, it is Any, not the only thing that makes an ignorant person an idiot is pride and volume. Remember that. Yes, so it has nothing to do with your your capabilities, so to speak. It's just something that you are unaware of at the moment. Uh, but I wanted to clarify that so nobody felt like attacked or anything. Because that's not yes. what we meant. Yes, of course. I mean, you know, we're all ignorant at some point. I mean, life is, is a journey through ignorance. Mm-hmm. It's why the tarot starts with the fool. Yeah, and we're constantly learning. It's just so. something to keep in mind. If something evokes something, then it Find creates out why. a negative emotion. Even yeah. if it is happiness well, that, or even well, positive yeah. emotions. Well, yeah. like, why does it make you happy? And it might you'll affect get, someone you'll, else a different way. You'll get to know yourself. And that's exploring the facets of your darker sides. And then mm-hmm. uni- unifying them with your light sides. Bringing the subconscious and the unconscious to the, the conscious. Yeah. Sometimes the answer might be that it has to do with a childhood memory. It has to do with uh, your passion. It has to do with who your essence is. It has to do with your true nature. Or it could have to do with something that you suffered with. It could have to do with a bad experience. It could have to do with uh, your empathy for another group of people that doesn't necessarily affect you or sympathy. It could have to do with a wide variety of things. But here's one thing. There's the, the one thing that might be a bottom line for some people is that <laughs> the answer might just be you suck. What? And maybe change that about yourself. Yeah, well, it you might know, just be- you don't. You might have something about you that might exclusive be your exclusively be your problem, and mm. that's something that you need to work to and ask yourself: Is this worth it? I'm not trying to be. I'm, I'm by no means saying that anyone sucks, folks. Let me be straightforward with that. I'm just trying to have a little bit of of buffoonish wit with this. <laughs> uh, we must keep in mind that there are some things that are gonna. That you want to ask yourself, oh, why is this irky? Why is this a pet peeve? People use that so often. And it's just, is this really justified in anything that's worth causing an issue over? Mm-hmm. Is it worth even sacrificing an extra minute of your life for to get upset about? Yeah. Is this really the best use of your time when you could use that towards changing something for the better? Um, and th- these are conversations that you'll have with yourself, that you'll have with other people. Work through with your friends. Don't be afraid to have some humility. Don't be afraid to 
open yourself up to that particular aspect and ask other people, why do you think I think this? Mm -hmm. Why do you think I'm like this? Because your friends and your family, other people, they're going to see stuff about you that you're not going to see so readily. Yeah, it's a different perspective, which is good. So, yeah, so my, my point being is don't come from a place of just being a bad person. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's a real rarity that someone is a bad person. But, like, it, there are certain things that, you know, don't... Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got so itchy all of a sudden. Uh, skin started to crawl. Uh, that's usually it's probably a sign that I should wear this a little bit better. Um, what it is I'm trying to say is don't let something be a source of something that will always set you off. Figure out why it is. If it has no justification... Do away with it. It's not going to do you any good. It'll be where you limit yourself, and where you limit yourself, you curse yourself. Heed those words, friends. I say that from the bottom of my heart. Yes, because we want everyone to be successful in the best version of themselves that they can possibly be. Uh, And of course, all the people that listen to us, we have no fear that there are any uh, any bad people because it's definitely not the kind of people that we attract. And oh yeah, none, none of this is con- is accusatory. Yes. Let me be abundantly clear yes. about that. Yes, it's just kind um, of more unless in you, general. If you feel attacked, maybe you have a guilty conscience. Who knows? Mm. Conscience, man, conscious conscience. Say those words back to back three times really fast. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Thank you guys uh, for tuning in to this episode and um, we will have the special bonus episode right after to celebrate our one year anniversary, uh, which is May 18th. So that's wonderful. And we appreciate you listening. Remember, you can follow us on all the different social medias, uh, Twitter at SpellcastPod and Facebook, SpellcastPodcast. We have a page and the private Facebook group. We're also on Instagram at witchypage, and you can email us with your listener stories, witchypage at gmail.com. So, and if you'd like to support the show in another way besides just sharing, rating, and reviewing, you can always join Patreon, patreon.com forward slash spellcast. We'd also like to have more uh, debates, friendly ones, obviously. So if anyone wants to come on and talk about a particular subject Mm -hmm. that they want to elaborate on or if they want to talk about something contrary to our particular beliefs or how it is we put something how it is we put something is not anywhere close to necessarily the depths of our beliefs friends this is why we encourage you to read the essence that's that's reading between the lines of the lines Mm -hmm. when understanding people and that's how you'll build true empathy and you will have the most discerning sense with understanding art with understanding existence with understanding magic Yes, so we'd love to hear from you. And remember, there's a little witch in all of us. And the spirits live in the mirror.